Thank you for choosing our podcast. This is truly an exciting time for City Lights Church, and we are seeing God move in extraordinary ways. For more information on how you can get plugged into what God is doing at City Lights or to financially partner with us, just visit us on the web at citylightsac.org. Stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us by searching at City Lights AC. Tune in every Sunday as we stream live through Facebook live stream. Amen. Amen. Anybody grateful to be a son and daughter of the Father this morning? Yeah, I am as well. This week we're in three of a series. We're going through the book of Philippians, and so we're in chapter three. And I couldn't be more excited to share this message with you today. I'm believing that the God of heaven, the God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of forgiveness, the God who reigns will speak to you this morning. He's been speaking to me. I typically, just to kind of give you an insight, Wednesdays are my days that I write my messages. I work from home. So please come by the church and see me. I won't be here. I work from home that morning. And this morning I got up and prayed and was just going back to my message. And I even messaged some of our communication team and said, hey, listen, I'm adding some things to the message this morning that the Father has shown me. And so I believe it's going to be a message that's what I hope will be very relevant to your lives that you understand what was written 2,000 years ago is very relevant and applicable today. But I hope that it inspires you to see that God has a plan for you and that you have a part. And I want to help you understand what that part is. So we're in Philippians chapter 3. There's a, it's a church planner named Paul. He's writing to a church in Philippi. That's how we get this book of Philippians. He's writing to believers there. And this is how you know Paul's a great preacher. Check this out. This is chapter 3, verse 1. He says, finally, my brothers. But I love it. He still writes two more chapters in the book it's like it's like when I say hey we're fixing to close here and my clock said I have 20 minutes in the back he says finally but he's not done yet I love it finally but he's not done yet my brothers he says rejoice in the Lord not rejoice in sex drugs rock and roll money let's just be honest you can rejoice in that for a minute he says rejoice in the Lord to write to you again about this is no trouble for me. And it's a protection for you. Sometimes we have to be reminded that our joy comes from the Lord, not our circumstances, nothing else but Him. In verse 2, he says, watch out for dogs. And what he's talking about here is those who are outside the faith. And there's this tension of, yeah, Jesus left the 99 to go find the but also, how many of you know it's so important to be around those who are like-minded? It's a lot easier. Listen, I don't want to bust any superheroes' hearts in here. But it's a lot easier to be dragged down into the ditch than to pull someone out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but Paul's saying, hey, watch out for those people outside of the face. Then look what he says. Watch out for evil workers. He's talking about these people that were trying to corrupt Philippi about, hey, it's all about the works, man. If you're not doing enough for Christ and you don't love him enough, and Paul even says this, hang me here for a moment. He says, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, it was a Jewish custom that you had to be circumcised back then. Now, I do mean the physical circumcision before you could basically become a Christian, if you will. That's not what they were called in this context. But Paul's saying, hey, this, watch out for those people who say you have to do any kind of work before you come to the cross of Christ. He says, watch out for them. Verse 3, he says, For we 
For we are the circumcision. What does that mean? The ones who serve by the Spirit of God. The ones who serve by the Spirit of God. The ones who boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I also, excuse me, I once also, next verse please. I once also had confidence in flesh, in the flesh. Paul, basically what he's fixing to do here is give his credentials. He says, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, this is what he lists. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is the, hang me here, is the law, blameless. What basically Paul is saying is, hey, listen, if anybody has a reason to boast about accomplishments, it's me. And there are many of you here, there are many of you watching online, and you believe that your establishment in the Lord is based upon what you've done. You believe that your distance from the Father is based upon what you've not done. And that's what basically Paul is saying is, hey, listen, I've got some credentials. I've got some credentials. I've got some reason to boast in the flesh. This is what he says, and this is remarkable. Verse 7, he says, but everything, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Amen. Anybody. Everything that I once had that I knew cannot come to the knowledge of what it means to know Christ. It cannot, the value cannot compare. So for the remainder of our time this morning, I want to talk with you about this idea of my goals are changing. My goals are changing. Are you ready to hear a word from the Lord this morning? If you are, let's celebrate that. And you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Excellent job as always. Excellent job as always. Well, we're so glad you're here this morning. I want to, want to welcome you again. If we can bring those house lights up, that'd be great. We're in part three. My goals are changing. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. We've got an online host this morning that'll be uh, interacting, communicating with you. So we'd love to know where you're watching from. Um, and um, want to welcome any first-time guests here this morning. So I have recently started a, a new venture in my life. I'm working out these days. And yeah, amen, you better believe it. And so it's like a big deal to me. I'm pretty proud of myself, so I'm fixing to boast in my flesh for a minute, okay? I am a person who has never really been into exercising, just to be honest with you. When I was in the Army and the military, I was really good at being active and, and some running, but just never been one to lift weights or get in there on any kind of consistency. But God just began to do something new in me and really gave me this desire to get healthy. And so I've taken this initiative and trying to pass that on to my family. So my wife and I were working out two days together a week. And, and what I did was I did a ton and ton of research on like the best way to get healthy and best workouts and best way to gain muscle and stuff like that. And what I realized was that there's, everybody has their own opinion. Everybody has their own experience of what that means and how you get there. But I began to share some, with some of my buddies, basically for accountability, that, hey, I'm fixing to hit the gym. And they were like, well, what are your goals? What are your goals, brother? And I said, well, I listed ABC. I was like, this is ultimately what I want to get by, by, by like week one, week two, I want to be here. I want to be lifting X amount of pounds. And what I realized was that very early on, particularly the first day I went in to lift weights, <laughs> that I was nowhere near as strong as my mind thought I was. I realized that on day two as well, that my legs are weak. 
But what happened was I began to make some changes. Like, I just feel like sharing this. I don't know why. Maybe this is a health benefit for somebody. But I was terrible. Anybody else want to just partake in this confession? Terrible at drinking like Cokes and Mel Yellow. Anybody else guilty of that? Let me tell you how guilty I was. Some of you are being honest. Some of you are like, no, you're not judging me, Pastor. There's no judgment here. Jesus does that. My job's to love you. I was drinking like two to three um, 24-ounce Mel Yellows a day. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me. I didn't realize until I started counting calories. And what that equals, listen, the, the amount of Mellow Yellow that I was drinking every day, and I have like, it's just kind of difficult for me, okay, because I love Mellow Yellow. And this has been like the toughest thing of being Mellow Yellow, splitting. It's hard for me to go into get and go and see a 99-cent Mellow Yellow and not buy it. So I just stopped going. But I was drinking in calories alone 5,385 calories a week and Mel Yellow. Pretty incredible, right? And so I begin to make these changes, and, and, uh, and still I'm making these changes, and I'm proud to say it's been like 12 or 13 days, and I've had no Mel Yellow. I was talking, yeah, come on, give me some love. It's a big deal. I was talking with Cody about it the other day, our expansion director, and he's like, dude, you're making it sound like you need like a Mel Yellow recovery group or something. He's like, you're making it sound like it's alcohol. And I was like, basically it was for me, man. It was a big deal. But anyway, so I started making, these, started making these goals, and here's what I realized. It didn't take long. As I was putting in the effort, I was achieving even just my first initial goals. And so what I had to do was, instead of just setting goals, I decided, hey, okay, I'm going to try to obtain these, but I'm going to just keep pushing them further and further. So when I hit one the next week, I'm not going to stay there and become stagnant. You know what I mean? I'm going to just keep going. Like, I began doing some running, and I had uh, one of my buddies um, say, I was like, hey, I'm starting to run, you know, just a mile before my workout or a half a mile after, just trying to get some cardio. They're like, how fast are you doing the mile? I was like, that's not my goal. My goal is to, no, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. My goal was to, to burn calories and to get my heart rate up. I'm not in it for time. And what I'm saying is that my goals, they're constantly evolving. They're changing in my workout. And I've got some goals this morning, or not this morning, but this week that I want to set. And I think the, tr the, the same is true for our walks with Christ. And I hope to show you that, that goals should always be changing when it comes to Christ. You should never just have this one goal of like, if I get there, I've made it. If I get past this, I've made it. If I get back to this, I've made it. And so Paul makes this incredible statement, this incredible statement back in verse 7. Next, next slide says, he says, but everything that was a gain to me, Basically, what Paul's saying is, hey, listen, I had all this confidence in the flesh. I had achieved all these great goals that gave me the ability to kind of stand on the platform and say, hey, I am somebody. But he says, but everything that was a gain to me, and you must understand this when he says, I have considered it to be a loss. He's not talking about the very character or the very nature of those things. He's talking about in comparison to what I had compared to what it means now to know Christ. It's not that those things were bad per se, but what he's saying is in comparison to knowing Jesus, everything I knew before then means nothing now. It's all a loss to me. And I think what's interesting, and I think that Paul would agree if I could interview him, and I'd love to, is that everything, he says, I considered it to be a loss because of Christ. And basically what he was saying was these, these things that were, were seemingly good, my attitude, my behavior, how I felt about things, they actually set me back. And I wanted to tell you this morning, though, that Jesus will use my setback for my setup. Anybody believe that? The very things that set me back, Christ will use to set me up. 
I think of a story often, there's several in the New Testament, where Jesus tells these, these paralytics, he says, hey, pick up your mat and what? Walk. See, the very thing that set him back and held him down, now Christ was saying, I'm going to use for you to pick up and to show my glory. And so I wanted to tell somebody this morning, there's some things that have set you back in life, whatever it is, and Jesus would love to use that for your setup moving forward for his glory. Whatever it is, Paul is saying, hey, listen, there was a lot of things that really made me feel like I was being this, this great Christ follower but it actually set me back. And here's the beautiful thing about that. When we come, and Paul, he admits it. That's the really important thing he says, that I consider it loss. Everything that I had, is, it's just a loss compared to what I'm gaining. And here's what I've noticed. When it comes to those things that set us back for, for Christ followers today, and listen, it could be very many different things, and I don't want to name them all, but it's, you know, it's, just your, it's kind of your daily things, your, your relationships, it's depression, it's you know, you've walked away from the faith, if you will, you're not living how you're supposed to, whatever that even means to you. And those things begin to set you back, but here's what happens when you acknowledge them in a healthy way. Listen, you become vulnerable. What I mean by that is your heart becomes exposed and then you leave room for the Holy Spirit to begin to deal with you. You begin to take that moral inventory of what's wrong, what the things that are displeasing to God, and it's in that very moment that when you acknowledge those setbacks, Christ fixing to set you up for something bigger than you could ever imagine. Do you believe that? That God takes what was wrong and works it out for our good? That God takes what was bad and makes it for our good? That's the Father we serve, in case you didn't know that. That everything we've ever been through that set us back, everything that we're going through right now that sets us back, he wants to use to set you up for something good. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, it's all a loss, but I'm going to gain something. What set me back, Christ wants to use for my setup. Would you be surprised if I wanted to go back to Philippians 3.7 again? I want to show you something I'm teaching this morning. Paul says, but everything that was a gain... Everything that was a gain to me, I want you to pay attention, pay attention to the part of speech here. He says, I have considered, I have considered to be a loss. I want to make sure you understand this. What basically Paul's saying is, I had achieved a lot of things, but once I come to Christ, none of it meant anything. I have considered to be a loss. Listen, why? Because of Christ. Now, more than that, I also, next verse, I also part of speech, consider, consider everything to be a loss really quickly. When you study scripture, when you read scripture, there's so many things that you can look out for. But one of the things that I'm really big on teaching here at this church, and I've mentioned several times, is you want to look for repetition of words. When the author or the writer begins to use words that are the same or different parts of uh, speech, it's not because he is, doesn't have any intelligence or can't think of a better word. He's trying to show you something a little bit more is going on. So anytime, listen, you're studying a book of the Bible and you see a bunch of repeated words, something's really going on. But when you begin to see a repetition of words in two or three verses, there's something really important that needs to stand out. I'm going to teach that to you in just a moment. But he says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss. What? In, the, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love this right here. Paul, he's not sugarcoating it. He's just straight up saying, hey, listen, because of Jesus, I've suffered. I've suffered because of Jesus. Now, he's not saying it's not worth it, but he's saying I have suffered the loss of all things. And listen, consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. Now, here's what's happening in verse 7. You can pull up in verse 8. 
There's, he says, considered, which is like, if you will, in this context in the original, it's past tense, okay? It's past tense. In verse 8, he says, consider, and he's talking about present tense. So this is what Paul's saying when he says, I consider the loss, and I consider it of no gain. In verse 7, when he talks about past tense, you must understand that Paul has been following Jesus for about 30 years. If you didn't know, he's writing this letter in a Roman prison, and I can assure you it's not like today's. He wasn't watching HBO and smoking cigarettes, okay? It has been very hardcore, very difficult, very tough. So he's been following Jesus for 30 years. He's in a Roman prison. When he says, I considered everything a loss, what he's talking about is from the point of conversion, he became, when he started falling cross from conversion, he said, it's been worth it since then. When he says, I consider present tense, he's saying, it's still worth it. From his conversion to his calling, what he's saying is, it's, he's still worth it, Kim. He's still worth following, though, even though I've suffered because of him, though I've lost relationships, it's still worth it. And I think the greatest diagnostic question, and it's so simple for any believer to ask themselves, is do I love Jesus today more than I did yesterday? Do you? And if you don't, why? Because Paul is saying from the beginning, James, to right now, and listen, you must understand about Paul. This dude's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's about been killed. He's in prison, for God's sake. And he's saying it's still worth it. I'd still follow Jesus today. Though none go with me, I'll still follow him from his conversion to his calling. And it's so simple, yet so profound. Do you love him today more than you did yesterday? Because that's what Paul's saying. It's still worth it. It's still worth following him. After all the hell I've been through, after all the heartache I've been through, it's still worth it. This is still worth it to you. And so then he would also say this, that because of this pain, that Jesus will use my pain to show me my purpose. Jesus will use my pain to show me my purpose. For example, I make no bones about it here. Uh, my past is one of just being really awesome. That's the best way to describe it. It's a tough crowd this morning. Tough crowd this morning. I'm not sure what's going on. It's not me. It's you. I can assure you that. My past is sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's using people, places, and things to get what I want. Manipulation. Deceitfulness. Lostness. And it caused myself and a lot of others pain. And for anybody that might believe this stupid lie, your sin does impact other people, no matter what it is. If you have someone that loves you, and you for sure at a minimum have a Father in Heaven who loves you, it impacts other people. And so I went through this painful, painful life for many years that was unnecessary. But what happened was on January 21st, 2009, how many of you know we serve a God of redemption? He redeems what was broken. He mends and fixes and puts it back together. I committed to following Jesus, and he began to show me that this pain that I had went through was going to be my purpose to reach back. So if you ever wonder why I'm always talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, it's not because my wife and I like to party, okay? <laughs> it's because that's where I've been from. I've been down in the ditch, and I know what it means to come up out of it. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, don't come here if you've not ever been in a ditch. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean. We're reaching those who are hurting. Now, I don't want you to go home and on your way home and jump in a ditch and act crazy. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you're not going to find a lot of connection here if you don't acknowledge your brokenness. 
Your brokenness doesn't have to be a needle in your arm. It could be pride keeping your hand on your wallet. I feel like preaching, JB, and they don't even know, man. <laughs> they don't even know right now. And let's make sure we clarify on that, that your pain may not look like mine, but I assure you, the person who's never done a drug in their life, it took just as much grace to save you as it did this drug addict right here. You better believe it. I'm fixing to punch something if I could. <laughs> I'm working out right now, babe. I'm telling you, my heart rate, it's got to be in the 85 percentile right now. It's the testosterone, yeah. I'm building up. Listen, I'm getting mean, church. You're going to see here in a couple weeks. I'm going to be big, boy. <laughs> Jesus, he showed me that pain, and that's my purpose to reach back. See, my goals are changing. I'm not into accommodating your preference, your music style, your teaching style, your translation style. No, I'm in it for nitty-gritty who are hurting, who need Jesus today. Jesus will use my pain to show me my purpose. And you know what he did? You know how good he is? He took my pain, showed me my purpose, and he gave me a platform. That's what he'll do. Now, your platform not, may not be up here on these lots, especially while I'm pastor. I'm doing pretty good right here. But <laughs> your platform may be at work. It may be at home. It may be with your children. All this pain that Paul went through God showed him what that was his purpose, to reach back. His goals were changing. It wasn't just, hey, I've got to become this person. I'm okay with becoming who Christ wants me to be. And I wanted to tell you this morning, whatever you're going through that's hurtful, and listen, it may be outside of spiritual things. It may be practical, relevant, daily things that you're going through, whatever it is. God wants to use that for your purpose. And listen, your purpose is to make him known and glorify his name. That's everybody's purpose. But your path may look a little bit different. So Paul says, listen, I, I want to be known for following Jesus. I count everything a loss. I want to know him. And we pick back up in verse 9. So basically, I want to know him. And then I want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. How many of you know, listen, there are a lot of church people, we have our own righteousness. It's a disease, and it's a virus, and it spreads. And you need to go through detox. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is taught through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. You are righteous because of your faith. Nothing that you do on your own, just your faith. And so here we go. We're getting to the meat of it as we close, right? Finally. I still got two more chapters, so just hang with me. Verse 10, Paul says, my goal is changing. Listen, this is beautiful here. My goal is to know him. Now listen, there's basically four things, three or four things he lists here. My goal is to know him. For some of you, you're content just with that. I just want to know Jesus. And that's great, but Paul says, hey, and the power of his resurrection. I mean, I want, but he said, I want the fullness of what God offers. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. I want to know about the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And did you know, did you know that when your goal is to know him, the fullness of him, you will experience all that he has for you? Easter's coming up. It's going to be an incredible day. 
And it is the day of the crucifixion, but man, we believe in Jesus and we, we, we walk with who we are because of the resurrection. And listen, I'm not knocking anybody in here, but when, when people you know, pray this prayer like, God, thank you for dying for my sins. Yeah, praise the Father. But exalt his name because he rose. He rose again. And so Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Did you discuss the white piece of paper? That's okay, I, got it. I, I, I didn't think you did, but I, I, I got you. You guys have a little white piece of paper on your seat. What I need you to do is write your social security number down and send that to me. <laughs> it's just a blank, simple white piece of paper. That's everybody in here. If you're, everybody's looking confused, I'm asking you to get it right now. And here's what we want you to do. Because we'll be celebrating the resurrection two weeks from today on Easter Sunday. It's really simple. We want you to just to be thinking about three people that you could invite. Now, particularly, though, here's what I want to share with you. This is just simple math. Imagine if each one of us reached one of our invites. If each one could reach one, our attendance would double just like that. Now, you say it's not about numbers, Pat. But the honest is, the honest answer and just the truthfulness is, it's Super Bowl Sunday for churches, not just our church, every church. It's the greatest chance we have at reaching the most people on any given Sunday. It's just the fact of the matter. So what we want you to do is to write down three names on that piece of paper. You can do it now or you can do it as before, sometime before you leave. But one of the conditions is, is that one of those people that you're going to write down, that's going to be the tough invite. Meaning there's some people in your life that would be really easy to text and invite and you should do that. But we want to challenge you as a church to get outside your comfort zone and think of who's the tough invite? Who's the one person that would be like makes me nervous to ask? Or you think right now you think, hey, I could ask them, but they're definitely going to say no. Well, why don't you quit playing God just for a moment in your life, okay? So two people that you would just normally ask or maybe you, you, a friend that you think would come and then a tough invite. And, and what we want you to do is we want you to write those on there. You don't have to list your name. And then our staff and volunteers, we're here through the week, we're going to pray for those. And as you're exiting today, to, in the lobby, to the left, there's a slat wood, uh, black piece of wood, and there's little hangers on there. Our volunteers, we did this exact same thing with them this morning. You're going to hang that sheet of paper on there, and we're just going to pray for them. And the reason it's just a simple white piece of paper is because inviting someone to church is very simple. You should not make it difficult. Just tell them how awesome your church is and how your pastor works out now, and he's going to, you know... <laughs> And just make it simple. Don't make it hard. So honestly, we're going to ask you to do that. If you know you're, you're um, being disobedient, honestly, and you're of the devil, I'm sure of it. So, <laughs> so just pray about it. Write somebody's name down as you're exiting. You can drop it off out there. Okay, you can do it now or as I continue speaking. Paul says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now listen, this is a great example of really what it means to want to know Jesus. And I wanted to ask you here, and this is, you know, don't answer out loud, but just internally. Are these your goals when it comes to knowing Jesus? Or is your goal, what can he do for you? I'm not saying those are bad goals. I'm just asking in general. Would you say, yes, pastor, I want to know the power of him and his resurrection The fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Verse 11 says, assuming, I love this, 
He says, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Now, theologically, if you're a student of the Scripture, don't get twisted up and caught up in this. Basically, Paul, what he's saying is this. It's just that God's grace that I would get there, it's something I've not achieved yet. So when he makes this assumption, it's not like if there is a resurrection. He's just saying it's something I've not been able to obtain myself. Verse 12, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, something that's amazing and remarkable to me is I could completely understand if the Apostle Paul said right here, I have already reached the goal and I'm fully mature. And I take hold of it every day because I've got it. But even the Apostle Paul, this man who's been following Jesus for 30 years, says, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not there. I've not reached the goal. I'm not fully mature. But this is what he says. I make every effort to take hold of the goal. Now, here's what happens, I believe, in Christianity. I really am really closing, so hang with me, okay? I think we set these goals and I would just ask you to communicate with me right now. <clears throat> you can speak on behalf of yourself or someone you know. What goals do we often set when it comes to Christianity? I'll give you an example. I want to read my Bible more. Okay? What are other goals? Praying what? Not going to cuss. Yeah. Devotions. What else? Somebody say something over here. Attendant. Yeah. Heaven, yeah, I want to get to heaven. That's my goal. What else? Reach I want to reach others. Not necessarily bad things, though, right? But we set these goals, and this is what I think happens. This is what I think happens when we set these goals, whether it be in the gym, our personal lives, finances, spiritual. What happens when you reach that goal a lot of times? Somebody said what now? Too many things. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of times, we stay there. Come up here, Cody. I want to pretend for a little bit that Cody is Jesus, okay? <laughs> Jesus was a good-looking Caucasian man with <laughs> big arms. We set these goals, and so let's say we believe that Jesus is in one spot. He's never far from us, and so what happens is, please watch my mic as I get in front of here. We start off like right here, and this is whether we're in Christ or wherever, and we're like, there, Jesus is there, and I know that I can get to Jesus if I read my Bible more. I'm not knocking you. You should be reading your Bible. If I pray more, if I'm more compassionate, if I don't cuss, amen? If I go to church more often, if I give more than the offering, amen, <laughs> if I keep my eyes on Jesus, then I get with him, right? That's what we believe. If I do all these things, then I've reached the goal. And what happens is we get complacent here with Jesus. We can see him. We touch him. We feel him. We know that he's with us, and we, we like to stay here. This is good. I like this, Jesus. I like you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but what I think is then, so instead of setting these goals, instead of setting a bench press mark or a mile per minute, what if it's not actually about the goal, but what if, 
reaching is the goal. Let me show you what I'm talking about. What if it's really not about ever getting to these goals that you set, but what if it's just the reach that we're after? So, so what happens is this. Start way over there, Jesus. Way over there. So what happens is this. How many of you know every single day that Jesus is reaching down for his people? Do you believe it or not? If you don't, just say it. So reach, Jesus, from there. Start reaching. He's reaching for us always, right? Reaching. He's reaching for us. And so how many of you know this? That it's not about anybody ever hike or go on these destinations. It's not about necessarily the goal. It's about the climb. That's where that's where it's found at. And so imagine this. And so if it's if we're not into, we don't want to just make it the goal to know Him because then we can trick our minds and say, Ah, I've made it. I've arrived. So then reaching is the goal. And so what I mean is you're constantly reaching for Jesus. You know that he's there and start meeting me. As we, as we read more, as we do, as we pray more, as we love more, as we become more conformed to his image and knowing the power of his resurrection, we reach and we reach and we know that Jesus is reaching. But what happens when we have a true understanding of who Jesus is? Jesus always wants more from us, Right? So then Jesus is speaking, come follow me, right? Come follow me. And so I'm just reaching because Jesus doesn't want me to stay stagnant. And how many of you know this right here? When you become stagnant, you become safe, you become complacent, and it kills your calling. And Jesus doesn't want you to stay put. In verse 12, pull up the next slide. Paul said, I make every effort. And so effort is not in the goal. Effort is found in the reach. I've got to keep reaching for Jesus. No matter what happens, I've got to keep reaching. Because here's what happens. As Jesus is calling me forward, and I get so close, there's times I want to look back to where the last place I stayed put with him. If I'm preaching and it's making sense, say, come on, pastor. So what happens is I begin to reach because I know Jesus is reaching for me, and the effort is found here in the reach. But I look back to the last thing I know because I'm safe and I'm comfortable and complacent there. And listen to what Jesus says in in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He says, but Jesus said to this man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a pretty powerful statement, just to be honest with you. Basically, he's saying this. If you put in the work and you continually look back, you're not fit for what, what, what I'm calling you to. That's a powerful statement that can bring division that can set, a, set apart the true believer from the unbeliever, from the wishy-washy to the committed. And so then, we can't look back. We've got to keep, we've got to keep reaching. We've got to keep reaching as we get closer. And here's what happens. Sometimes sin gets in the way, right? And it pushes us back. We doubt. We hate. We prideful. Jesus is still pursuing us. And then what happens is we get to a spot to where we really feel uncomfortable from how far away we are from him and we begin to acknowledge. Because how many of you, this is me, man, I'm preaching the fire this morning, is that the closer I get to Jesus, I really understand the farther away I am from him and how much I need him more. But here's what happens. When sin gets in the way, when sin gets in the way, whatever this is, I wanted to tell you this morning that you feel like you're reaching and there's this distance between you. I wanted to tell you that grace closes the gap. Come on, grace closes this gap right here. 
Grace pulls me in and I keep reaching because the effort is found in the reach. It's not in the goal. And eventually Paul says this. Stay with me, Jesus. He says, brothers, pull me up the next verse. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. If anybody in the earth could have said, hey, I'm there, it's Paul. But he said, no, I'm not there yet. He said, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind. I'm not putting my hand to the plow and looking back anymore. I forget what is behind. And look what he says. Come on, say it with me. And reaching. Come on, say it. And reaching forward to what is ahead. Listen, pursue is my goal. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, just to clarify, you reach grace closes this gap and someday if you're in Christ you will meet the Father and this is what we think of right we think of I'm going to spend eternity with the Father thank you thank you we think I'm going to spend eternity with the Father that's the prize that I get to be in heaven forever right that's what we think of but I wanted to tell you today the prize is not just then it's now the prize is that he will comfort me in my affliction. The prize is that he will, he will show compassion to me when I'm hateful and angry at the world and pissed off at everybody. His grace still comes down to me. The prize is that I get to know him more and more and more and that when the gap begins to separate us, that grace pulls us back together. The prize is today that you get to spend with him. God wants so much more for you than just for you to say, ah, I get to spend eternity with him. Cody and I were talking this morning in the office about this before this, um, before the service. And I think I've shared this with you, but we do something called five for five. It's where five men of God pray for five minutes at 10.05, believing that if we call upon the name of the Lord, that God will grant our request. And so it always sparks some kind of conversation. And we were talking about how when Paul says, I, I, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus, we read that and think, hallelujah, brother, I'm going to be in heaven one day. Well, yeah. Thank the Father for that. But it's what he offers today that really may be the greatest prize. In John chapter 5, you know the story. There's a man that's been lame for 38 years. And he's like, hey, I, every time I go down to the pool, somebody goes in front of me and I can't get healed. And Jesus walks by and he says this. You remember the man. Jesus walks by and says, hey, if you'll pray this prayer, you get to spend eternity with me in heaven. Can you believe he said that? No. Jesus asked him, he said, do you want to get well? And I could even understand in a lot of ways, it would almost be cruel if you can go there with me. I use that term loosely. If Jesus walked by and see this man who's been sick for 38 years and said, hey, if you pray this prayer, you get to spend eternity with me in heaven forever. But Jesus says, hey, do you want to get well today? And so when Paul says, I pursue, it's to know him and the power of his resurrection today. And so Paul would say, hey, my goals are changing. I don't want to just arrive at the goal. I'm after the reach. I'm after the reach. And so this morning, I want to challenge you with this thought. What do you need to be reaching for with Jesus? Is it forgiveness? Is it bitterness in your heart? 
Is it, you're just complacent. You're, you're lazy. Let's just be honest. Can we be honest in here? Because we're all adults. You're just a lazy Christian. <laughs> you're just lazy. Let's also be honest on the flip side. You're a Christian who values works. And when you see somebody not doing what you think they should be, as good as they should be, you cast a stone on them. Maybe you're here this morning and the reality is you're just hurting, Christian. You're hurting. Something's happened. It's caused you to doubt the Father. And you don't even want to really pursue the goal anymore. You're comfortable just standing right here. You don't feel like reaching. Honestly, you're, you're, you're Luke 9. You, you, you started the work, but you're hurt. You just keep looking back to the last place that you saw Jesus. And you won't find him there, Leslie, because he's ahead of you, reaching to pull you forward. And that's the promise he makes to his sons and his daughters. Father, pray with me. God in heaven. As a matter of fact, just stand with me and pray with me. Those of you who would just would express yourself in this way is just an agreement as a sign of permission and, and reaching. If you just raise your hands and reach toward heaven, reach toward heaven. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we have this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi that shows us what it means to know you and to want to know you, that it's not enough just to know your name, but we must, we must be seeking the power of your resurrection the fellowship of your sufferings, what it means to be conformed to your death. God, as Paul spoke, let our hearts beat to that rhythm that we've not reached the goal. But God, we keep reaching to take hold of it, trusting that as we reach, as we walk, as we stretch, as we pray, as we seek, that when we fall and we will and sin gets in the way, that your grace closes that gap. It closes that chasm and your love and spirit fill up the whole that often resides in an empty heart when we put other things and other people and other places before you. God of heaven, we are your sons, we are your daughters, and we know that we are going to stumble, but you will not let us fall. We know that you're a God of love, you're a God of protection, and you're a God who wants his people to seek and to reach. And this morning, we commit, God, we commit to reaching. Church, this morning, don't stop reaching for the Father. Amen. We sing with us. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. Thanks for listening to today's message. We'd love to stay connected with you for the week. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at City Lights AC. Thanks again and join us soon.